Mandy, you made this? What is going on, all of you sexy listeners? Welcome back to The Dagger, the podcast where we cover all things NBA and the top news in all of basketball in good times and in bad. Um, I don't want to really do the show, but here we are. My boy's depressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm down bad right now, but I'm I'm still here. I I show up for game sevens. Um, shameless plug: follow us on social media at the Dob Dagger Podcast. Interact with us. Keep up to date with everything we got going on. Um, finals coming up. Celtics not in the finals. Um, we'll talk about my depression. Um, we'll talk about my engulfing sadness. We'll talk about all of that. No, in all seriousness, Celtics eliminated seven games to the Heat. Let's talk about the Celtics and their performance in the conference finals. Definition of a roller coaster. And what feels like about a month ago, but the Lakers were also in the conference finals. Let's talk about the Lakers as well. Like it was like last year. Almost. Yeah, that, that feels like two seasons ago. Nuggets and Lakers. Nuggets have been done for a minute. Talk about the Lakers today. You know, you know. Wait, wait, wait. You know, you know. My boy TC is depressed when he doesn't even introduce us. That's crazy. That's true. I'm He's Taylor like, Call. I'm joined by my guys, Deion Franklin, BJ Johnson, whatever. <laughs> it's 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 bad out here, man. It's 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 bad. Whatever. And of course, we're gonna break down the finals for you guys for those who are actually in the finals um <laughs> could the heat keep the train rolling we'll talk about that today but first you guys already know how it works we got some awards to give out hooper of the week good hustle award dion take it away with your hooper of the week all right so hooper of the week for me goes to to me, the most valuable player in the Miami Heat organization. Preach. And that is Caleb Martin, my boy. He had 19 points per game, over six rebounds, almost two assists per game, and one steal per game against the Boston Celtics in seven games. But the story behind him is what I'm giving him Hooper of the Week for. He was undrafted and was picked up by his twins team, the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Hornets, after two years, they they cut him, not just from the main team, but also from their G League team. He started working out at J. Cole's gym uh, while his brother is in the league and, you know, enjoying all the lures. Uh, J. Cole, he uses his contacts. Uh, he had a contact with the Miami Heat and got him a tryout from there. He started cooking. He got a 10-day contract and then became a co- consistent role player. And then just they put him in the starting lineup, started over 40 games this year. And he is the reason, together with Jimmy, that the Miami Heat are in the finals right now. Write me a better story than this. You can't. And also, on top of that, he has the coldest celebration in the whole world. So, Hooper of the Week, Caleb Martin. Which celebration is that? Is that what he does? Yeah. 
Bro, oh, yeah. Oh, my. He did it against the Bucks. He did it against the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Martin, justice oh. for Caleb Martin, man. He was robbed of the Larry Bird trophy. He he definitely should have won the Eastern miss. Conference Eastern Conference Finals MVP. No, no doubt about it. I mean, I was watching the game in a call with my brothers, and we were just like, this guy doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. Literally. Everything that left his hands, pure. Could not miss. Tough shot. Tough, tough fadeaways in the paint. Absolutely smothered. Did not matter. Threes contested. Bottoms. Can Threes wide open. Splash. Did not miss. Didn't miss. And like you're saying, what what a story. This guy's the lesser. He's not even he wasn't even considered the best player in his family. Like everyone was so much higher on his brother coming out of both high school and college. And to the point where, like you said, his brother's still on the Hornets and he's not. He was let go. So what what a redemption arc. And now nobody's talking about Cody Martin. Caleb's about to get that bag. He made a lot of money in that series. So the true Eastern Conference Finals MVP, Caleb Martin, dog. Dog. Absolute dog. Dog. BJ, take away with your Hooper of the Week. All right. I got two good Hoopers of the Week. I lied. Um, I thought I would just have one. But uh, fresh off the press, I got to give a good Hooper to my guy, Shannon Sharp. Leaving undisputed after seven years. He's leaving Skip Bayless. He got a buyout with Fox, and my guy Shannon Sharp is finally free. He's no longer working with Skip or Undisputed. So now, Uncle Shay, welcome to the free life, man. Like, get out there, get you a bag, go somewhere else, anywhere but with Skip Bayless. Good to see Uncle Shay Shay, man. He said, I can't do it no more. This guy sucks. His takes are bad. He's corny. No way. As of 30 good minutes for him. ago. As good of 30 for him. Ago, Uncle Shay, I'm so happy for you. A as man can only take ago, so much. Oh my much God. Abuse. We bringing you breaking news. Oh my goodness. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. That was my best <laughs> damn time, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a man can only take so much abuse. Like, that's good. Good for him. I don't know who's who they're gonna get, but I'm sure it's a downgrade. Yeah. I'm surprised he lasted seven years with Skip Bayless. So even then, he deserves a good hooper for even staying that long. Yeah, that's that's big facts. Big <laughs> my, facts. My second good hooper, unfortunately for TC, um, I'm giving it to the entire Miami Heat organization, and not for winning Game Seven. No, 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 no. I'm giving them a good hooper for what they did before Game Seven. News broke the day of Game Seven. The Miami Heat purchased. Their tickets to Denver for game one of the finals hours before they even played a game. You would think the Celtics would take that as disrespect. No, they said, can we help pay for your flight to Denver? We'll chip in a little bit. So Denver, um, you know, Miami was like, well, you know, we live in South Florida, but it'll be nice to be in the, the mile high series this time of year. Booking flights before they even touch the Celtics floor in game seven. Well, we'll make sure it's it's well in hand by the fourth quarter, so your starters are nice and rested. You know, like we'll do everything you can. You know, can we get you? Are you flying, coach? What are we doing? <laughs> you know, yeah, we'll we'll get you out of there nice and early. Your bags, yeah, first class. What can we do? You need a check bag, Southwest. What can we do? 
<laughs> Sorry. That knife is just in there, isn't it? T-C- I just want to unleash all my slander, but we'll we'll wait for the we'll wait for the <laughs> segment. But yes, Miami Heat as an organization. Hoopers of the week. Mm-hmm. Um I have a hooper of the week. The only Celtic I feel like saying anything good about right now. My Hooper of the Week is Derek White. Derek White, the only person who seemed to be aware that there was a game on Monday, um, showed up, ready to play, played extremely well, tried to take the game over, did there for a minute, went on an 8-0 run by himself when things were looking bleak. Um, our, our hope was vain, but Derek White balled out, and of course, an iconic, even though they still lost, that's still an iconic playoff moment. The tip, um, getting it up and in, hell of a play following the shot by Marcus Smart. I mean, when you see Marcus Smart shoot a fadeaway, you should know that's probably coming off. Um, <laughs> did a great job crashing the glass, and that's that's an all-time playoff moment. Derek White will never have to buy a beer in Boston again. So, <laughs> Set for life. Hey, you can, yep. you can tell they plan for for that shot too because they had both sides yeah. of the ring cover. Because Tatum was on the other side and he was wide yeah. open too. Yeah, they he 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 was there. He was ready. He was aware of how much time was left. Hell of a play by Derek White. Um, I pissed off my entire neighborhood when that went in. I was going crazy. That was a <laughs> sick shot. So Derek White, Hooper of the week. Um. All right, let, let's get negative, shall we? Um, and this is a guy, this this hurts me to my core. It hurts to me to my core, but what am I supposed to do? Um, Jalen Brown. Um, Jalen is my guy. We'll talk about Jalen Brown's future in Boston, but absolutely atrocious Eastern Conference Finals. And playoffs as a whole, to be honest. Not not great. We'll talk about game seven here in a second, but just for the conference finals as a whole, 19 points per game on, let's see, 41% shooting, 16% from three Woo. in seven games. That is, that is tough. Um, and 3.6 turnovers per game in there as well. Jalen, I mean, that's that's kind of tough. Um, yeah, I mean, he had a great series against Atlanta, but after that, it was only 22 per game versus the Sixers. I mean, it was just not great all around. So, Jalen, that's my guy. But um, And then just to zoom in on game seven, eight for 23 shooting, one for nine from three, and count them, eight turnovers. Eight Jeez. turnovers. Um, Jalen Brown had a plus minus of minus 17 for the game. Only worse, one worse was Grant Williams at minus 19. So Jalen, that was such a missed opportunity. Uh, we'll talk about game seven more in a minute, but... Jalen Brown has to get a good hustle award. I don't make the rules. Absolutely. So, Jalen, good good hustle out there, man. Let's hope you work on those handles in the offseason. BJ, who's hustling? Got to give a hustle award to an NBA official. 
You might be thinking, what does Scott Foster do now? It's not him. Scott, <laughs> you can get this playoffs. You're off the hook. No, Eric Lewis, come on down. Um, Eric Lewis has been oh, under God. investigation for the NBA because of, you guessed it, his best Kevin Durant impression. He has a burner account on Twitter, apparently, that he uses to respond to slander about him and other refs. Uh, Eric Lewis is known to be a Celtic fan. Um, so he's been defending all the people who think he's been rigging games. And not only does he have a burner account in the NBA bylaws, it's strictly prohibited for an official to comment on official refereeing or officiating after NBA games. So Adam Silver has him under strict placement. They're trying to track all these tweets to see if it's really him. So Eric Lewis, people thought you were, you know, a little bit of a cheater, a diehard Celtic fan, but this is just another level. You're going to Twitter to defend yourself, and now the NBA has got you under a microscope. Like, what are you doing? How insecure can you be? Like, right. as a ref, like <laughs> you're going to be clearly biased, but then you're insecure that people notice. Like, <laughs> yeah, like don't stop talking about it. I yeah, I don't know, bro. I don't know. As well, we could have used him in game seven, though. Honestly, I was gonna say, if he was there, yeah. I'll be playing tomorrow. Yeah, I could have <laughs> used him. <laughs> we needed him. Where was he? He busy that tweeting. Hate to see it. Twitter <laughs> <Yeah>. fingers. <laughs> Take it away. Who, who's hustling? All right. So, my hustle award, I'll be swift with it, uh, goes to Nick Nurse. Former Toronto Raptors coach, Ooh, championship tell coach, coach of the year. Um, my man, what's good, bro? He decided to go coach the Philadelphia 76ers after turning turning down both Milwaukee and Phoenix. What are you doing? Are you fucking insane? <laughs> like, what, what, what is wrong with you, bro? Like, you're willing to turn down coaching Giannis, KD, and Devin Booker, and choose, after what you just saw in these playoffs, to go coach a crybaby and a bunch of chokers. This can be a potentially career-ending move for you, bro. Good luck with that shit, because if you don't win in the first two years, you're going to be out of a job. So, yeah. good, yeah, good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see the logic of it. Of I don't understand. Trying the to, best though. player... Well, that's out of those three jobs, that's Giannis easily. Best team? Um, that would be I mean, the Sixers are in third between those three teams for the future yes. of the franchise. Um, best city, best environment. No, that's Phoenix by far. People everyone wants to move there. So I do you really <laughs> like the eastern time zone like that much? I I, I don't know. That's just insane to me. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes yeah, no sense. You're gonna yeah, go. To yeah, that's that's idiotic. Last year, you're gonna go to the same team who put you out. And right. Plus, do do people really like Philly cheesesteaks that much? That much? <laughs> Absolutely asinine. Makes no sense. But good luck with that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Truly. Um, Joel Embiid will throw you under the bus here in three second round exits from now. So have have fun with that. Clockwork. Yep. All right, but we're not here to slander the Sixers. We're here to slander the Celtics. So let's let's get on with it. Um, Celtics losing in seven to the Miami Heat. And Dion, what's the 
What's the quote from Meek Mill? I used to pray for times like this. <laughs> I um, <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the overall the overall series, but what, what was your thought on the up and down series for the Celtics? I I mean, I, we we all said it honestly before going into the to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's one thing that the Boston Celtics cannot do is underestimate this team, and they did exactly that. That's the oh, that they got punched in the mouth for three games straight, and then try to pull all the stops to come back, and then they were one win away from going to the finals. Uh, but it took a Herculean effort just to get there, and then they fell short. Uh, so, yeah, it was an up and down series, but it was just one up, one down, and then one up. It was so like this the shift in uh, in like power was so like exponential. Like you go from winning three and then losing three in a row. So it was just a crazy series, honestly. Um, I honestly can but couldn't believe that they got to seven. Um, uh, what's even more unbelievable is that the that he won the first three games, two in Boston. So it was just a roller coaster of emotions all around. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start with the good. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm very disappointed in the result, but I mean, the good from this series was. Hey man, it was it was a hell of a ride. At least it was a hell of a ride. Um, the lowest of lows, down to almost the highest of highs, only to go right back down again. But at, at least we had some fun, right? Um, one of the wildest Eastern Conference uh, Conference Finals playoff series you'll ever see. Absolutely wild. Um, it was like one of those like horror shows. There was a twist around every turn, right? As soon as you think you know what's happening, psych. Um, you know, it, it was a mind fuck, you know, as soon as you thought you knew what was happening, you you didn't, but, <laughs> and I am very proud of the fight. The Celtics showed for them to win three games in a row down. Oh, three is no small feat to even force a game seven, I think shows that, um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Joe Missoula at length, but at least the leaders on the team kept the team together and at least they fought, right? So good for them. They could have just went belly up, but at least they showed some pride. At least they showed fight and at least they made it interesting. Now for the bad, the bad part of exactly what Dion is saying. Um, the one thing you could not do was overlook the heat. The one thing you could not do was assume you had it in hand. And for the first three games, that is clearly what you did. You were looking at the finals. You overlooked the heat. You thought they would roll over, and they didn't. They punched you in the mouth. And I am—I stand by everything I just said. I'm proud of the fight that the Celtics showed. Um, they were phenomenal as an underdog, but they lost every single game they were supposed to win in this series. Every single game they were supposed to win and they were favored to win in, they lost. You think... They're the better team, like, you know, ESPN analytics. I mean, they don't actually mean anything, but you get what I'm saying. They're the better team. Everyone keeps expecting them to win until they're down to a three, right? And then they get to game seven. It's like, okay, they've slayed the beast. 
They're coming back to Boston. Crazy game winner. The heat must be broken. And then they lay an egg in game seven. So they lost every single game they were supposed to win. And I mean, that's the Celtics these days for you. They are a phenomenal underdog. They like being overlooked, but they don't handle expectations very well. They tighten up. They make mistakes. They overlook opponents. Um, They let people hang around when they shouldn't. They make mistakes at the end of the game. And for me as a diehard Celtics fan, this series was like watching like a good friend who has been doing really well for a while. Like maybe they have some kind of substance abuse problem or like, you know, maybe they were into drugs at some point and then they're off of it, right? They're doing really well. They're moving on with their lives. They're doing good thing. And then all of a sudden they fall off the wagon. That's what this was like of like, you think all this stuff is behind us. We've matured. Um, we're the favorites now, right? And then all of a sudden, all these issues come right back to the surface and we get beat by uh, the better team in this series. They're not the better team overall. You'll never convince me of that, but they sure looked like it in game seven. So very, very up and down series. They were playing with all of my emotions. Uh, VJ, thoughts about the up and down series for the Celtics? Um, we had Dustin on here probably two or three months ago, and he said something that I wanted to come back to, and he said the Celtics lack toughness. And he didn't mean physically tough. He meant mental toughness, and I think you could see it in this series. Um, You saw them look shook at home. You Game seven, the first, I want to say, eight minutes, and for the rest of the game, too, they just look so tight. They look shaky. They look like everything in the world was on their mind. Um, and I feel like although the Heat almost lost a 3-0 lead, they never lost confidence. Like Eric Spolster wanted to play game seven right after Derek White just made that incredible tip. Uh, Jimmy, after every game, I didn't like it, but he kept saying, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. Like they never lost confidence. And I feel like you could see just the mental toughness that the Miami Heat have. And that all starts with your leaders. And I feel like that's what the difference was in the series was just the top-down approach. Miami, they didn't care that most of their players were undrafted. They still felt we just got more heart than they do. Um, I think Missoula, it wasn't a great series for him, but I don't want to blame everything on him. Definitely moments of inexperience. Um, he doesn't, he didn't use timeouts very well. Um, I would say he would let momentum slip too far, either one direction. Um, and I think, you know, that zone, we saw it mostly in game seven, the Miami zone, um, Boston had no answer for it. It looked like Boston had never practiced against a zone defense all season. They just look out of their element against Miami. Um, but again, it all comes back down to what's upstairs. And I think Miami definitely had the mental edge in the series. Yeah, no question. Um, so VJ, for game seven specifically, let's let's zoom in on game seven. Um, who deserves the blame for the game seven loss for the Celtics? Um, all right. I got two areas I'm going. I'm gonna ruffle some feathers here. Um, my first area of blame is management. I believe this all happened due to letting Ime Udoka go. Um, I think 
that was the nail or that was the domino that started the Celtic season. Uh, and I feel like he would have definitely shined bright against Spolstra in this series. Oh, that's why I even got to a game seven. But to be more in, I guess, realistic here, I, I blame the superstars, um, JB and JT. And I get JT was hurt, but the way we killed Embiid and Harden for game seven, your, your guys got to show up. Game seven is about your stars, and I feel like they didn't really show up. I know JT was hurt, but Jalen Brown, he did not play well at all, and he's playing for a contract. So I have to look at those guys because, you know, any other any other series, we're looking at the stars to win it. And I feel like one game on your court, especially after JT dropping 51 probably a week and a half ago, you just expected more. I, I get he was hurt, but – I think you got to look at your superstars in a game seven. Yeah, I mean, super tough break for the Celtics having Jason Tatum, you know, mess up his ankle, what, 25 seconds into the game. Really tough break. But that's not an excuse for a game seven loss. So first of all, if you don't want it to come down to one game and a freak injury like that, then don't let it go second seven games against a team that's far less talented than you. You know when you go down 0-3, you have to be perfect to win that series, okay? And you came close. You came real close. Um, But one thing like that, and, and it's over, just like that. However, Jason Tatum being injured should not mean that the season is automatically over and you lose by 20. I mean, we've seen Jalen Brown wants to be the guy. He's kind of mentioned that of like he wants to go where he's appreciated and you know, we've heard room, you know, murmurs that he might be a number one somewhere. This was your chance. Okay. This was your chance. Jason Tatum immediately turns his ankle into game seven. This is your chance to step up, to shine, to show people what you're made of. And in his own words, he failed. That's what he said when he stepped to the podium. And I still have insane amounts of love for Jalen Brown. I mean, this, the season was, you know, damn near 100 games long. And he had a lot of really great games. But this is, I mean, I call him the avatar. When his teammates, the team needed him the most, he disappeared. Hmm. And that that just can't happen. Eight turnovers, like minus 17. I mean, come on, man. I'm not going to overreact and say trade him immediately or don't resign him. Like that's foolish. But for all the things, I I hope this has humbled him a little bit to come back earth to back down to earth a little bit and be like maybe playing with Jason Tatum isn't so bad. You know, when I had a game where I had to be the guy and carry that load on my shoulders, I didn't do so well. So maybe we do have a good thing here. Um, Was he hurt? JB. Yeah. No. Did he have his? Did he have his cut? The cut on his hand? Not that I know of. From the from the Hawks game. I he I they didn't talk about it. I mean, it's possible, but I'm pretty sure he would like he he might have had. I don't know. I saw somewhere that he might have had stitches somewhere, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that was like that was a while ago though. Those those should be healed. Regardless, that that was your chance. Um, tough break for Malcolm Brogdon too with his elbow. But I mean, especially when you're talking about the Heat, injuries are not an excuse. Like they lost Tyler Hero. Um, like 
with the, even without those two guys, we should still be able to beat them at home in one game. And Derek White was the only one playing like, you know, they, they knew they showed that, that this was a game seven, that this was do or die. And it's not just Jalen Brown either. Everyone was missing shot after shot. And I, I'm with you on Joe Missoula, BJ. I, th- I think he brought some good things. I'm not calling for his head. Um, but like he kept the team together. They showed a lot of toughness for the team to still win five elimination games in the playoffs is still impressive. I would prefer we don't face any elimination games, but to win five elimination games is still impressive. And it shows that he has a good feeling for the pulse of the team. But the biggest issue was this, this team's identity and Joe Missoula made it very clear all throughout the season, all throughout the playoffs, that this team's identity was shooting three-pointers. And it almost cost us game six when we went ice cold, and it absolutely cost us game seven. That identity failed us when we needed it most. And we, I think that needs to be evaluated of maybe this doesn't work. We don't have the same shooters the Warriors have. Like we have some very good shooters, but maybe we shoot 32 threes instead of 40. And so the identity that Joe Missoula espoused for this team failed us when we needed it most. So he, he did, he did some good things. He's not a bum. Um, but I'm not sure the identity that he wants for the Celtics works in playoff basketball. So guess how um, many threes the Celtics took in seven games. I yes. did the math. Damn, really, damn near what three fifty? Like two hundred and sixty-seven threes yep. in seven games. Thirty percent for the series. I have 30%. the I have the list of like most game uh, most games right here. They yep. win the game one, ten for twenty-nine, which is not that bad. But then it goes ten for thirty-five, eleven yep. for forty-two. Then game six, seven for thirty-five. That should mm-hmm. have been a dub. Game seven, nine for 42. And Terrible. in all those games, they averaged 15 turnovers. That's fucking insane. Recipe for disaster. It's bad. You got to take care of the ball. That's the, that's what it comes down to. No question. And obviously for game seven, the biggest onus falls on Jalen Brown. Eight turnovers. That's unacceptable. Jalen Brown is kind of a cursed player in that he's one of the best finishers in the entire NBA. When he actually gets to the cup, there's no stopping him. And so that's easily the strongest part of his game, but he doesn't have the handles to get himself to the basket. Yeah. If he if he had the handles to get himself there, to get through traffic without turning it over, he would be unstoppable. On his weak side. He can, he's yeah. fine on the on the, yeah, on the strong side. They just yeah. kept going, making him go left. That's how he kept losing the ball. Yeah, so I mean, he has some work to do. You know, I the type of player, the type of worker he is, he can get there. Um, but yeah, Dion, any any other thoughts? That, that those were my thoughts. Like turnovers and threes, I I get live or die by the three, but at some point you're gonna have to make an adjustment because that that's insane. Nine for forty two, come on, eleven for forty two. How do you even shoot forty two threes in one game? Like that's insane. It looked like they were trying to like remodel the, the garden with all those bricks they were shooting. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, and I mean, Coach Missoula, he had some good adjustments. I thought he made some good adjustments on defense. I think he held. Defense was um, fine. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I thought he, he held absolutely fine. Is he made a really side. good switch to have to make sure that Robert Williams guarded Jimmy Butler on the switch. That was very effective. It stopped a lot of his paint scoring. Uh, Rob got a couple of blocks on him. I mean, and you know, <sighs> I mean, at seven games is kind of an indictment, but I mean, you don't think that Caleb Martin is going to average 19 for the series. Like, I get that kind of snuck up on him, but. I mean, like like VJ said, though, the biggest indictment has to be the zone, the lack of adjustments to Miami's zone in Game 7, though. Like, you have to think with how effective it was that they were gonna, you were going to see it again, and nothing they did worked. Yes, I get Jason Tatum can't get downhill. That's the biggest piece in our offense. But still, you have to have something ready and waiting for Miami's zone because the Celtics look completely unprepared for it. So, Dion, moving on from Game 7 into the future for the Celtics. Um, do you think this Celtics core has reached its limit? Can this team is presently constituted win the finals? Um, I don't know if they reached the limit. I don't know if Jalen Brown is willing to stay. Because I think they could, they could run it back. But I don't think Jalen Brown is, is, wants to stay in a team that has shown in the past they do not value him since they kept putting him on the chopping block every trade session, basically. Um, so why would he stay? He is eligible for a huge extension. Um, and I'm pretty sure Boston would be willing, I would say, I would say to like resign him, but it's, it's really up to him. I don't know. I don't think they reached his limit, the, the limit as the core. I think they could definitely, you know, stay together and maybe bring in some reinforcements. Not that they need that much, honestly, because this this is a great team. But I wouldn't say they reached their, their limit. I don't. Uh, maybe Jalen Brown reached his limit. Yeah, I mean, I think the short answer is I'm not sure. Exactly. Um, that's that's kind of why I was dancing around. <laughs> it's not even so much. It's too early to tell. But I still believe that the Celtics have the best roster in the NBA, and so for them to not get it done. I mean, it, it's very disappointing. I mean, yeah, they had some injuries, but so did everyone. So I, I, I don't know, maybe, but it's too early to give up on it. The grass isn't always greener. And so um, Daniel said something that I think was insightful. I think it's a little a bit of an oversimplification, but I think it rings true of Daniel said, this is the worst I've ever seen a perfectly constructed roster play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good way. And maybe put. maybe perfect is a strong word, but still, like that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Of really, what does this team lack? Maybe another ball handler, maybe a third center. But like when you look at the needs, they aren't many. So, yeah, I mean, let's run it back and see what happens. Maybe it is limited, but I it's it's too early to tell. You still have two very young superstars. Um, and you just hope the team continues to get experience and some of this works itself out, I guess. So BJ, do you think the Celtics are limited or do you think it's, yeah. Do you you think the Celtics have reached the limit? Um, I, I was struggling back and forth, but in my opinion, I think that they have. And the reason I came to that conclusion was I had to ask myself, why do the Celtics play so many game sevens, right? Like, because you always talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have played this many game sevens. And I was like, why? 
it's because the inconsistency and the way that they don't complement each other in the best way always makes them kind of drag out a series. And if that is going to be what happens time and time again, I think they have reached their ceiling. And that's not to say that it's either guy's fault. You just have guys that don't work. Um, and I kept wondering, like, okay, they've got to the conference finals 2018, 2020, 2022, 23. They're 1-3 in Eastern Conference Finals. And people say they're so young, give them time. I'm like, well, we got a large enough sample size to say that this just isn't working. We got to the finals one time and we lost. We came within two wins and we lost. Couldn't close the deal because of the way our guys play. Um, and it's like you can't have two lead guitarists. Like, every band has one guy that hits the solo. You can't have two, and I feel like that's the issue. And maybe on a different team, JB would be better. Maybe he would have the ball in his hands more, and he would be a better ball handler. He would have more opportunity to grow. But I think this current iteration of the Celtics, um, it doesn't work. If if you want to pay two wings, basically $600 million between the two, you can't have them get outplayed by Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin. If that's the team you're going to have, your wings can't get outplayed by a 32-year-old Jimmy, maybe, and then Caleb Martin, who was undrafted. That's just how I see it, though. Yeah, that's fair. And right. it's I, I keep going back and forth as well. Of Are the Celtics issues a fundamental problem, or is it immaturity? And I see both sides of it. On the one hand, how many teams do you see winning the finals whose best player is 25 years old? It, it doesn't happen. Even the Lakers, when they had Kobe... Um, there was still Shaq, who was in his prime, 28, 29, 30, had been around a little bit. And so that that doesn't really happen. Like There's a certain amount of maturity that needs to take place to win the finals. But on the other hand, I have seen this movie a few times. It does seem to kind of go the same way of like <sighs> a lot of elimination games that they have to clutch up. And to be fair, they have clutched up quite a few times. Yeah. But... Yeah not handling being favorites very well, giving up leads in games, um, being undisciplined, turnovers. Like, I, this is a pattern. And so I could see it either way. Maybe time and maturity will fix this. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Um, and the big question I see everyone asking on all the talk shows and everything is, VJ, should the Celtics re-sign Jalen Brown? Obviously now eligible for the Supermax, um, having been making the second team All-NBA this year. Yes, Dion, not All-Pro, second team All-NBA. Um, <laughs> it's about damn time. Um, so now all eligible for the Supermax. Um, BJ, do you think they should commit to Jalen Brown and give him the Supermax? Um. Well, my first thing is, does JB even want to be there? I think I would consider that. But in my opinion, and this is no shade to Jalen Brown, I would say no, because that's five years, $295 million, $59 million per year, almost $60 million. You can't build a roster behind two guys making that much money. And the things that the Celtics need is beyond Jason and um, Jalen Brown. They need a true point guard. They need better things around them. So if you pay Jalen Brown that money, 
you don't have any more room to get the requisite pieces you need. So, again, it's not really anything to do with Jalen Brown because he's more than deserving. If you're second-team All-NBA, that money sounds worth it. But I think if you pay that money, you don't have any room to pay anyone else. Um, And then, again, the structure of winning a title in the last 25 years or so, maybe even longer, the last team that was constructed of two wings was Jordan and Pimpin. Other than that, titles are not won that way with just two wings and perimeter players. It's a team game now, like the super team era. That doesn't really work anymore. You need a solid team. So if you lock up $600 million between two guys, how can you fill out that roster? Yeah. Um, by the way, since you brought up the term super team, you shouldn't have done that. It's, the, the Heat have signaled the end of the super team era, in case you didn't know. The fact that an eight seed with only one star is in the finals should tell you that super teams are dead. Just saying. Um, anyway, off of my side tangent. Um, I'm going to disagree with you, VJ. I think the Celtics absolutely play, pay Jalen Brown. And I, I think it's the notion of the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Of 26-year-old all-NBA wings do not grow on trees, Right. And I think a lot of Celtics fans are thinking the same thing, right? Of like, oh, we don't need him. Oh, we can just get somebody else. It's a lot harder to find that level of talent or recruit that level of talent to a city that um, does not always find and retain stars the same way in LA or, um, you know, Texas does or Florida. Um and so if Jalen Brown wants to be there, you absolutely pay him. And I love the way the Celtics have handled this situation of um, the words were barely out of any talk show host's mouth, you know, slandering Jalen Brown. Some of that deserved before the Celtics already started to say, we fully intend to give Jalen Brown the Supermax. Um, that is our intention. And so they haven't always had Jalen Brown's back, but they do right now. And they're saying, even after a absolutely terrible series, they're basically saying we're not even hesitating. Yes, we absolutely intend to give him that if he wants to be here. And I think that's the right decision. Um, when he's under contract, depending on the um, terms of that contract, still, you know, if if they have to blow up the team, they always can. But players like Jalen Brown don't just come around. Um they're very hard to get. They're very hard to draft. And so anytime you have a player like that, if they want to be there, you you hold on to them. And you figure the rest out later. So a lot of the other players, they have under contract for at least two years. And so if they resign Jalen Brown, they will at least have a two-year window, and then they'll have to figure some things out after that. But um, two more years of this kind of window, you could do a lot worse than that. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at. Uh, Dion, you think the Celtics should re-sign Jalen Brown? Um, sure. I don't want them to, but I think they should. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think they have to. Um, all right. Can we finally move on? Can we yes. finally stop, stop torturing me? I mean... Really disappointing, but it was a hell of a ride, right? That was about as wild a seven-game series as you will ever see. Um, let's talk about the Lakers, right? Let's pull an ESPN and, you know, what does this have to do with the Lakers? Um, getting swept by the Nuggets in four games, 
pretty surprising to be honest. Um, Dion, who who deserves the most blame for this sweep for the Lakers? Kind of everybody, honestly. But I really didn't like the way he coached. Uh, I think he deserves a little bit of blame. Um, putting like avoiding at all costs putting AD on Joker. I don't understand that move at all. Um, and then D'Lo didn't show up. So those are the main two culprits of the fall of the Lakers. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But like in my mind, I I just kind of felt like the Lakers finally hit their ceiling, right? Uh, we were wondering, what is this, the Lakers ceiling, right? They're playing as well as anyone. And then we found out they're ceiling pretty quickly in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and when a team overachieves the way that they did, when you look at how they were midseason, they grossly overachieved and played extremely well. And so it's hard to be too mad at them, right? Of like, I'm not mad at all, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it was considering Sad. where they were, it was a phenomenal season. Yeah, sweep is suboptimal, I get it. But in my mind, they just ran into a far superior team. Like the Nuggets had the two best players in the series. They had the best coach, and it showed. You know, that's not... Had more time together. Like, it was all of, all of it together. Yeah, like, it's not slander. Like, you know, the Nuggets oh. have the best you know, home court advantage in the NBA with the elevation. Like, you know, it's just a lot of factors. And, All the factors put together. Yeah, so it's hard to be too mad at the Lakers. I mean, I guess if you're going to point the finger, like you're saying, D'Lo did not play well. Um, I think LeBron finally started to show his age just a little bit. Um, Darvin Ham could have had the team much more prepared, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to be mad at anybody. Uh, BJ? Who deserves the blame for the sweep? Um, I mean, it was hard for me to blame people in particular because, again, I just felt like the Nuggets were generally just better. And then, like, this was a 7C versus a 1 seed, and each game was kind of close, so it wasn't like it was just a wipeout. But, again, I would have to look at, although his numbers were good, I thought AD defensively could have done much more. He yeah. kind of, like, let Jokic have his way at times, and then – Darvin Ham to Dion's point, like I don't understand why we think Rui Hachimura is the answer on Jokic. Um, why are we just shying away from AD against Jokic? And that was the matchup that we all said was going to be important in the series, and we barely really saw it. So I mean, it had maybe AD could have been better defensively, and Darvin Ham could have rethought his defensive um, strategy. Exactly. Like, why would why would they put AD at help defense against Jokic? It just doesn't make sense, especially when the person that you have on Jokic is Rui Hachimura. And they were like, oh, he's doing such a great job. Bro, Jokic is dropping 30, 10, and 10. He's doing no job. What are you talking about? So it, it was just it was just wild to me. Complete lunacy, honestly. Like, how do you not even try to put AD on Jokic for a game? Like, your best defender. Yeah, I mean, that, I I think fight. that's yeah, I think that's the most damning thing of like, I don't mind you trying something different, like exactly. try try anything to try and stop Jokic, like, but maybe when you're down o two o three, maybe it's time to put your best defender on the guy that is exactly. absolutely killing you, like you got to try it, you got to try something, you can't just you know clearly the Rui thing did not work, and so. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to put your best defender on him. But, hey, what what do we know? 
Um, thoughts on LeBron's performance, VJ, in the Western Conference Finals? Um, I mean, he averaged 28, 10, and 9, so almost a triple-double at the age of 38, and he was playing what a torn tendon. Um, I thought he could have been better from three, and I think he just was – I think he was truly fatigued, and he relied on the jump shot. He didn't have his legs with him. Uh, so his numbers were good, but I just felt like he truly was just tired. And I think he expected more from Anthony Davis in the series. So I think although his numbers were fine, he just didn't have the same gas that he normally would in a seven-game series. Like, the 40 points he had looked exhausting in game four. Like, it looked like he, he had nothing left in the second half. Um, but again, I give him credit, but I just think he was t- he was playing tired. Yeah, that was that was my observation of um he played well. He played really well, but he did look like a player in his not even late thirties, mid thirties. Like he's still quite a bit ahead of Father Time, but Father Time is starting to make up some ground, I think. Um, not great on defense in this series. Um did not defend very well. But I mean he was spectacular in game four. He almost did it himself. Until mm-hmm. you know, marginal body contact stopped him um, on the final play. But um, I'm referencing the final referees report. If you don't know what I'm talking about, of yeah, the report saying that the tackle by Jamal Murray was marginal body contact. But I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, played really well, but he looked tired, and after the game, he looked frustrated. Uh, Dion, thoughts on LeBron's performance? I thought, I thought he, he I mean, he's 38, uh, and he's still playing like this 25, 10, and 10 is, is still extremely impactful. Um, he did fall short on a few occasions, like you guys mentioned, like down the stretch in games two and three. Um, but I think the, the, the thing that the, the Lakers missed the most from him was scoring, um, because nobody else was stepping up. And he was trying to get all his teammates into the game more involved, that, hence the tennis per game. Uh, but I think what they needed from him the most was just his scoring. And he, he did he did score. He was, he was, what, 25 points a game? But I think they needed a little bit more from him since AD and D'Lo and whoever else needed to contribute more. Yeah, real bad from three, though. Did not shoot well. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, that was one game that he went over seven. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so LeBron left us with a little nugget in the post game press conference, saying that he had a lot to think about in terms of his future in basketball, which has been interpreted as maybe he's contemplating retirement. Um, Dion. And this is set off speculation, and we're only human, so why shouldn't we do the same? Um, Dion, do you think LeBron's done in LA? Is he done? Period. I don't want to. Th- I don't want to talk about it. I'm not. Re- I'm not ready to accept this reality. So I, I-, I skip the next question, please. Just, just get in this place with me, Dion. Just grieve with no. me for a minute. No, I don't want to believe it. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to ignore it. Um. I don't have to speculate because I already know what's going to happen. Yes, LeBron's done in L.A. Here's what he's going to do. You ready? 
LeBron is going to sit out this season. He's going to attend all LeBron's games at USC. And then after this year, he's technically out of contract, right? Even though he didn't play. Um, the Lakers only have his rights until the end of 2025 and so, or the end of 2024. And so I think he's just going to make him and Bronny a package deal to make his son more alluring to as a draft prospect of, Hey, you want to draft Bronny? Um, we're a package deal draft us. Or if you want to really go down the rabbit hole, um, the NBA and the new collective bargaining agreement lifted a rule that said that. Um, owners cannot be current players. So maybe he says, Hey, Adam, let's bring this team to Las Vegas. I'll draft Bronny myself and I'll be the player player owner of the Las Vegas, whatever. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't even know if that's possible. There's no way. My point is, I I I think I saw saw that. I saw that theory. I was like, nah, no shot, bro. That'd be, that'd be kind of crazy though. Player owner. That would be a first. I know MJ has thought about it, but um, player, owner, coach, GM, yeah. he's everything. Every, everything. The whole front office mm-hmm. out on the court. No, in all seriousness, no. I do think he's going to sit out the year if if I had to guess. I think he wants to go go to all LeBronny's games. I think he wants to um, be there for his son. And I think he can but I don't think the dream dies of him wanting to play with Bronny. I think he comes back at the end of the year. And I think he, they they become a package deal somehow. I don't know. I don't if, think he needs to sit out the whole year. He can still go to the games. He's fucking LeBron James. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, I do think he's at least going to play one year with Bronny, though. That's for damn sure. Yeah, he's I think that happens somehow. Maybe he has to play because if he sits out, maybe the Lakers still own his rights for one more year. I, I don't know. Maybe he has a handshake deal with Rob Palenka and Jenny Buss. I, I don't know. But he looked tired, and so... And and he is clearly he he thinks ahead. He's always a step ahead, and so I, I don't think he would mind taking a year off. I really don't. So Let's if see. I had to guess, I I think that would be my guess. And LeBron has too much pride to do the retirement tour thing to accept all the corny gifts and be like, oh, Le- LeBron's last game in Houston. Oh, you know, like I I think he has too much pride for that. I don't think he wants to do that. So. Um, I don't think we'll know until it's time. I don't think he's going to announce the world. It's tour. Not a need to know basis, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to announce the retirement tour. Uh, VJ, you think LeBron's done in LA? Is he done, period? Uh, I think the Laker offseason determines if LeBron is done or not. Like, I think for the first time, he felt his basketball mortality in this series, and he was like, there's literally nothing more I can do. Like, I don't have any energy to tap into. I'm almost 40. Like, I can't be having to do this. So I think it really depends on what the moves they make. And I think he has to have a real conversation with Anthony Davis. Like, I think that's what's going to determine if he's done or not. He's like, dude, if you can't get your head out your ass and be who you're supposed to be, then I'm sitting down. Like, we got one championship out of you. You haven't been the same since you left New Orleans. Like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I'm basically I can apply for my NBA pension in like four years. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. At the same time though, VJ, like this felt like best case scenario for the Lakers, right? Like AD was healthy for the entire playoffs. Uh, they got a ton from random role players. Like Rui had some big games. Um Austin Reeves was unbelievable. Um 
uh walker had some really good games um like this felt like best case scenario for the lakers like they have no draft picks they already made some good trades to bring those guys in in the first place and so i don't know what more they can do honestly that gonna happen again are you gonna get uh, injured Memphis with a deranged superstar? Um, are you going to get a hobbled Golden State who was a shell of themselves? And then people who think the Nuggets were weak? Like, I don't know if it's going to get any better than that. And then you got Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura giving you buckets. I don't know if it's – Lonnie Walker had like a 14.4 quarter. I don't know. That's too much going right. Can it happen again? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's what he realizes of like, this was best case scenario. We just got swept, you know. So maybe this team has reached its limit, you know. This so I, I mean, if you wanted everything on your wish list, right, AD healthy, yeah. all these guys giving you buckets, you know, like that, that, that they had it all. So – um, if Le- if LeBron is back though, if LeBron is back in LA next year, VJ, can the Lakers compete for a full season with this roster? You talking about what this roster is currently constructed? Yes. Okay. Well, if it's just this roster, I think they are a frisky five and below seed. I don't I don't know if they're good enough to be at the top tier of the West, but I think this team can be competitive as currently constructed another some more time to jail i think they'd be a pretty good team in the west yeah i mean that's exactly where i'm at of compete is a strong word you're still gonna have to deal with anthony davis injuries um they could use one more bucket getter but yeah i mean they could be a really frisky five seed six seed definitely not in the play-ins but not in the contender tier um they could win. They could lose in the first round. They could win a couple of series, depending on who they match up with. So, um, compete as in for a championship? No. Compete as in in the West, win games, be above 500 by quite a bit. Yeah, I think they could. I think they've shown what their ceiling can be. Um, I don't think them making it to the Western Conference Finals was a fluke. But I also don't think them being swept by Denver was a fluke either. So, um, Dion, do you think this team can compete in the West as currently constituted if LeBron is back next year? Uh, I'm with you guys. Uh, I think that we will be seeing them if if they stay like this and they don't make any moves whatsoever. Um, they're going to be playing in that four or five matchup for sure. Whether it is a four or five is up to them. Uh, but if they make some the right moves, it, it, they could they could become dangerous. But as as of right now. I see them like we're, like what you guys saying and like the fact that they got together, they they made this team together like they put this team together in the middle of February and they made it to the Western Conference Finals is already a great achievement and you give that team more time to gel. Hey, we don't know what we're looking at still. We still don't know what we're looking at fully. Yeah, that's facts. Um, all right, enough of these losers who aren't playing anymore. <laughs> um. Let's talk about the finals. We're here. Long road, wild playoffs, leads to the NBA finals. Um, we'll start in Las Vegas, as we usually do. Nuggets, currently a minus 460 favorite to win the finals. Uh, Dion, you, you think those odds are accurate? Do we agree with minus 460 for the Nuggets? I don't know anymore. I, I, I have absolutely no clue. 
We're in was we're, we're in the Miami Heat minus the uh, plus five hundred in the last series. Plus five fifty, I think. Exactly. So I I really don't know anymore. Um, it seems pretty accurate because I think the Denver Nuggets are an absolute juggernaut. Uh, but with the Miami Heat, I will never count them out. I don't care how tired they are. I don't care how injured they are. They have the best coach in basketball. I mean, I I will never lose faith in this team. Uh, but minus four sixty five, you said, seems kind of accurate. Um, no, I'm not vibing with minus four sixty. We saw what happened with minus with minus five fifty for the Celtics. Yeah. Um, plus two hundred for the Heat. I take that. Plus three hundred. All right. Plus four sixty. No shot. No shot. Are they that that low? It, how many times do we have to do this? Yes, I get the Nuggets are an absolute wagon. I I get it, but so are the Heat. <laughs> Plus, they get Tyler Hero back at some point. Like, yeah, minus four sixty. That's that's some good value. Although we would never bet, and you shouldn't either. Um, no, I I don't agree with minus four sixty for the Nuggets favorites. Yes, that heavy of a favorite. No. Um, <laughs> To quote the great Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. Um, VJ, you agree with minus 460 for the Nuggets? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, do we not just watch this? Is this not Fast and Furious 9? And are we watching? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have a one seed in the West versus an eight seed in the East. Like, two, it's like a one versus a 16, essentially, but like, Come on now, that's too. That's no. We just we literally just watched this movie like Monday night. No, <laughs> absolutely. So VJ, what do you think the keys to these finals are? What what factors are you looking at to de- to determine who wins the finals? I mean, first things first is slowing down Jokic. Very much easier said than done, and nobody has been able to do so this whole entire postseason. Um, you got to contain Jamal Murray. He looks healthy again, and he looks like himself. And then I feel like Aaron Gordon is going to be a different defender than Jimmy has faced yet, a bigger guy, uh, athletic. And then can the Heat score enough points? Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with this high-powered offense. Um, And then for Miami to win, or sorry, for Denver to win, you have to do what you do, get out in transition, uh, limit Jimmy um, and his dictating of pace. And then you got to make Bam, you got to wear him out and get him in foul trouble. And I think Jokic will do just exactly that. So I, I think it'll be a clash of two styles, the finesse team versus a physical team who likes to muck the game up a little bit. Exactly. Um, Jokic at this point is just a force of nature. Like, can you stop him is a stupid question. Obviously, you can't, but like slow him down becomes the question, right? Can you bog him down? Can you wear him out? Can you make him tired? Can you at least make it difficult for him is a better question. And so I'm looking at um, guys like Jamal Murray. Is he going to continue to score at the clip he is? Um, Can Michael Porter Jr. be effective? Um, What is the supporting cast for the Nuggets going to look like? Because they were unbelievable in the Lakers series. Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope played really well. Bruce Brown played really well. Jamal Murray was unconscious at some points. And so, and when that's happening, the Nuggets are unbeatable, right? 
if you have Jokic passing to guys who are hot, it's 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 a wrap. You cannot stop them. And so, in a way, I think the way to slow down Jokic is slow down those guys. Uh, you cannot just become one dimensional and suck in on Jokic. Um, and so uh, that's that's who I'm looking at. I think Jamal Murray is going to be the X factor because the Heat have guys who can guard, and they can guard guards and wings. We saw that. So I, I think that's Jamal Murray is going to be the X factor of the finals. Um, yeah, what do you think? What are the keys to the finals? I mean, I have a lot. Um, for, I'll start with, with with this. I mean, can the Heat keep up after going seven with the Celtics? They're gonna be tired. It's gonna they have a short turnaround. Can they make that short turnaround? Jimmy, Jimmy needs to be Jimmy from the first two rounds, and have, in order for Miami to have any chance, even to win one game, uh, and the Heat need to figure it out defensively for Jokic because otherwise. Bam will be in foul trouble in those four games that they will play, and it'll be a short-ass series. They don't have bigs. They don't have bigs, and they will need to find somebody. I don't know. Cody Zeller will need to play minutes. Um, and you can't even double – you can't double Jokic because he will find the open man. And uh, a key will be how Miami is going to rotate out of that double team. Um and I don't know. It's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Coach Spolstra's masterpiece, figuring out how to defend Jokic in this series without having bigs. Because Bam, I guarantee Bam is gonna be in foul trouble every single game if he's guarding Jokic one on one. I can guarantee you that. And then one last thing is can Tyler Hero make an appearance? Because that will help them a lot. Yeah, I mean that's a great point as well, Dion of. Denver, obviously, elevation, big home court advantage for the Heat. But on top of that, the Heat just had to endure a grueling seven-game series against the Celtics. Um, is fatigue going to be a factor? You got to think so, right? Are the Heat going to care? I don't know. But it definitely should be a factor. We'll see. Um, Dion, who most needs to step up for the Heat to win the finals? Bam Adebayo, he has to be the opposite of what he's been so far in these playoffs. He's been soft. He's been always ha- hanging his head down after every missed shot. He missed so many shots from down low and put up stupid shit. Um, if I'm Coach Spolstra, I'm calling this dude out because he needs to step up more than anybody on that roster. There's nobody that needs to perform more than him. It's just, It's just that simple. That they need him to be that two, that number two option in order for them to have the slightest chance of winning the series. One thousand percent. I thought it was going to be a hot take, but Bam has been terrible. Bro, he he's got been pushed shit, around, bro. Like I, don't, I don't care what stats you're going to put in front of me. What I'm seeing is absolute shit. Yeah, he the Celtics pushed him around. Robert Williams was living down low. That was part one of the things that helped the Celtics win games four, five, and six. They got a lot of offensive rebounds right in Bam's kitchen. And he's the only center on the roster going up against, like I said, the force of nature that is Nikola Jokic. Um, that's going to be on him. Is he going to be able to 
um, control the paint or the Nuggets just going to get offensive rebounds and Jokic is just going to destroy him, get him into foul trouble, get offensive rebounds. Like it's it's going to be on Bam to stop all that. Okay, I, I, I need to interrupt for a second. There's a new coach for the Detroit Pistons. Don't tell us. Dan Tony. Monty Williams. He got stuck in Detroit? That's so bad. That's so I just got the notification, Shams. Tough. So bad. That's crazy. (laughs) Milwaukee was right there, dude. That's crazy. Brutal. Big oof. Big oof. Okay. Absolutely wild. Okay. Uh, VJ, who most needs to step up for the Heat in the finals? I mean, I'm finals. just going to repeat what you guys said. Bam. If he can't do what he did against Boston in this series against Denver, if he has even a slightly bad game, they have no shot. Like, because you have, you literally have no one else to throw at Jokic. So Bam has to be much better. Like, you got your, you got a shot blocked by Al Horford who can't even run anymore. You have to do better. And if you don't have, if you have an off game against Denver against Jokic, you do have no shot. So it's Bam, like you guys said. Fair enough, BJ. Well, let's let's speculate. Let's let's get ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um, whose legacy do you think most changes with a win in the finals? Nikola Jokic or Jimmy Butler? Um, to me, this one is a no-brainer, and I feel like it's the context we look at this guy in. Uh, I think that Jokic's legacy would change the most because he's already been under pressure ever since he got two MVPs. It was the same thing that happened to Giannis a couple years ago, those accolades and no trophy. If he gets this done, especially this year when he got hate from everybody um, about his stat pad and all that, it validates everything. So easily Jokic. Um, I agree it's a no-brainer, but I could not disagree with you more, BJ. I mean, Nikola Jokic already has two MVPs, right? Like, he's already going to be in the Hall of Fame discussion. But in my mind, there's no shot right now that Jimmy Butler is a Hall of Famer. But if he wins these finals, is he? Maybe. Hell, I don't know. Like, this could be the greatest individual performance of all time if Jimmy Butler wins the finals. We're talking about, like, what Dirk did to the Heat where he went from really great player to no doubt Hall of Famer, right? When he won those finals, that we could be seeing that kind of transformation if Jimmy somehow takes an eight seed and wins it all, right? Not but just any eight seed, an eight seed with a bunch of undrafted guys as his supporting cast. He loses, though. If Jimmy loses, it's an eight seed. Oh, they're playing with house money. If a one seed loses to an eight seed in the finals with a better team, that's legacy. Like, you got to flip it. If they lose, what would happen? Like, what would happen if you change the context? And Jokic would get destroyed if the Nuggets lose. And that's fair. And maybe he has already gotten to that place, and I just haven't noticed. But, like, we're talking about Jimmy in an all-time great kind of category. Not, like, one of the goats or anything, but, like, he might be a Hall of Famer if he wins these finals. Okay. You know? Like, he 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 was nowhere near any of these kinds of discussions before this playoff run. And now, maybe? Honestly, I'll jump in because, like, I, I think it's Jokic. Jokic has the most to lose out of this. One million percent. Can he come through? when his career is on the line because he just won two back-to-back MVPs 
and everybody was shitting on him because he got first round exit, second round exit. Everybody was calling him out. Everybody, it's just a stat pad. Da da da. This is the same exact thing that happened to Giannis, like you said, V, three years ago. He won two back to back, and then he went and got it and solidified his his spot in the great in the greats. Jokic, if he loses this series to a bunch of undrafted players, he loses all credibility. Yeah, all the back to back MVPs, they don't mean anything at all. His career is on the line for me. Uh, if he loses, everybody's gonna call him a fraud, and the in the the amount of work that he would have to put in in order to repair his legacy is like it's everything in compared to what Jimmy has on the line right now. So I definitely go with Jokic. Jokic has the most to lose, and the, and and Jimmy has nothing really because he's already overachieved this year. He can come back and and do it next year with a better team, but yeah. right now Jokic. Has the most lopsided uh, matchup in probably in history in the history of the NBA Finals right now. If he loses, it is the, his his legacy is on the line this series. Yeah, I I agree that I think I agree that Jokic has the most to lose, but Jokic is already on the fast track to the Hall of Fame. When you have two MVPs, you're already an exclusive club, right? And that doesn't mean he's already a Hall of Famer, but like he's he's on the fast track, right? Jimmy is nowhere near that, but that could him winning the finals could completely change his legacy, could completely transform his legacy. And so that that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like he doesn't well, have that much to change, lose. Okay, okay, okay. It can change his legacy, but Joker's legacy could be destroyed by this. Yeah, maybe right. Hall of Fame is Hall of Fame is cool and everything. A lot of people are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, be great though. Charles Barkley, we don't even we don't even care how good he was. All we know is like, damn, he never got it done. And Jokic is, I think, all time probably gonna be better than Charles Barkley. But if he doesn't win and he loses to an eight seed, and you look at the route, be the eight seed, you be the four seed, you be the eight seed or a seven seed. Now you get to play another eight seed. It's never going to get easier than what it is this year for Jokic. Whereas Jimmy, Jimmy, I feel like it's the same thing with AI and the Philadelphia 76ers against the Lakers. Like, even though they lost, we still like, man, he got them there. But if you, if the Lakers would have lost to AI, they'd be like, man, Shaq and Kobe were terrible. Like it would, it would hurt Jokic's legacy more. I feel like Jimmy, you just tip your cap off to him and you respect it. Like with AI and the Sixers, it has to like the context of if they lose, I think changes the question. Fair enough. And it, it could depend on what Jokic does down the road, right? Yeah. If he loses yeah. to Jimmy Butler, but he still gets two somewhere, you know, it doesn't affect his legacy very much at all. If this is like Charles Barkley, like you guys are saying, and this is the only time he sniffs it and he loses to an eight seed, that could absolutely define his legacy. So that's, that's time, time, time will tell. Listen but, to this episode and then be like, damn, TC, what were you smoking, brother? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I agree, though. I agree. Maybe, maybe. Maybe people are like an eight seed getting get, like beating a one seed and a two seed to get there. My point is Jimmy Butler has never been anywhere near these talks of well, one of the greatest of his era, like you know, one of the great players in the NBA. Like he didn't even make an all NBA team this year. Deservedly so. He wasn't that great this year. And that's what I'm saying of like but the discussion around 
Jimmy Never. Butler completely transforms if he wins the finals. Of uh, you can no longer leave him out of those discussions, right? So that that's the only point I'm trying to make. No, that's fair. I just I just feel like transform it it gets overshadowed by completely destroyed for Jokic. Yeah, but he could rebuild it. Okay, it'll take I, a long time. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you win a ring after this. So, I really don't care exactly. if you win a ring after this. This is the say, easiest ring in history. Call me salty, like, but I mean. Jokic would be in pretty good company if he chokes against the Heat. That's all I'm saying. Hey, <laughs> but I'm saying, just imagine, like, just flip the script, right? And let's say the Minnesota Timberwolves, as an HC, had an historic run, and Anthony Edwards was playing incredibly. And then the Boston Celtics get there. JT, you're telling me that as a two-seed Celtics and an HC Timberwolves, and, like, the Celtics lose, you wouldn't be looking funnier at the guy who lost who had the better squad versus saying, oh, man, Anthony Edwards just put you in good territory. Like when you think about that, the, the team who has the better squad and the higher seed and the better player, if they lose, doesn't that change everything like for the worst for them? Like, I don't know that to me, it seems like Jokic has everything to lose if he like does not get this done. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely see that. Um, it, 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 it can go either way, to be honest. Yeah. It can go either way. That's the fun of the finals, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Dion, who who lifts the trophy? Uh, are we doing the predictions right now? Yeah, yeah. Denver's gonna win. I'm just trying to decide which, <laughs> how many games. If Tyler Hero's coming, I'm gonna operate under the assumption that Tyler Hero comes back and say Denver in four. Ooh. <laughs> and her and four, the man says. Okay. Even if he comes back, never info. <laughs> VJ, well, give me give me your finals MVP as well, as if it's a question. Okay. That's a hot take. That, uh, is that gonna be the tiebreaker? The the MVP? Uh sure. It's probably gonna be the same <laughs> for everybody, but yeah. Um VJ. Who who lifts the trophy and who's your, your finals MVP? Um, I'll take Nuggets in six. Jokic finals MVP. I'm a believer. The Heat have them right where they want them. They would probably prefer to be slightly bigger underdogs. Yeah, it makes no sense, and that's exactly why it's going to happen. Um, Heat culture, baby. Give me the Heat in seven. Jimmy Oof. Butler will be your finals MVP. Oof. I don't even know why. It makes no sense, but they sh- they shouldn't have a prayer in this series, it's but they shouldn't have had a prayer against the Bucks or Celtics either. And here we are. I'm so I'm gonna change mine. I'm gonna change mine. I'm gonna give one game to the Heat. Nuggets in five. I'm still saying Heat in seven. Okay. It's... Who's the you said Jimmy? Yep. Jimmy Butler is gonna be the finals MVP. Hey, that would be the craziest story in, in the history. Hey, this is uh, are we gonna do the same points for the final or no? Um should we do double points for the finals? Yeah. I think so. Because if I win, if I get it right, we're tied, TC. Then no, we shouldn't do double points for the finals. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to tie again. Right right See, now, right true. now the standings are TC's at 30, V's at 27, and I'm at 25. I'm winning? Yeah. How? Hey, I don't know. I got, I got, and I got five points. Oh, from, you from picked the, the, from you the, picked the Nuggets against the Lakers. 
That's yeah, but like, I picked the Celtics and Dion took the Heat in seven. I took the so. Heat in seven. Damn. But I, I lost a lot of points in the first rounds, honestly. Damn. Um. Yeah, I don't care. We can make a double. Right, but... I ain't scared. Heat and seven. <laughs> Heat culture. Um. All right. If you guys are listening to this, Snow, we appreciate you. Hit us with the, with those finals predictions. Who do you think's taking it home, and why is it the Nuggets? Um. <laughs> if you want to slander my Celtics, go ahead. I won't stop you. Um. I'm tired of defending this team. Hit us up. Slander the Celtics. Now, now's your <laughs> chance. <sighs> Next time, we'll be breaking down the finals. Could be in the middle of the finals. Could be the end. Depends on how the finals go. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll have some finals to talk about. No, you worry. We'll still be bringing you the dagger during the off season. The fine. There is no finals for us. There is no off season. There's no finish line. Is obsession with basketball a part-time practice? No, full-time. Ball is life. Yeah, ball is life. So, All right. If you're enjoying this, maybe consider hitting us with that five-star rating. Really helps us out. And one, a shameless plug once again to follow us on social media at the .dagger podcast. Gian's putting out that heat blowing up on TikTok this week. What was it like? Two weeks ago. Yeah, what was it like 170k views? Mm-hmm. Heat, check us out. Good shit on there. Let's get it. We will catch you guys next time. Please. I really hope it's at least close. Yeah. I don't want another. Yeah, I don't want a sweep. Those conference finals were almost horrible. Come on, NBA, do your thing and swing the finals. Do your thing and at least make this a series. Right, the script, the correct way. <laughs> <laughs>